folks welcome back to the norwood noise podcast we are coming to you here on sunday january 21st uh, of course as always myself evan shibble and graham griffith recapping this week in college hoops and uh, moving into another big week coming up here um as we roll through i mean already late january graham can you believe that i mean it's unbelievable we're already starting to look at you know february when you get into february then you start kind of you know bracket watching things like that so can't wait for that to continue on here as the season rolls through um we got a lot of big games to talk about but let's first open um maybe news of the day graham i'm gonna let you lead us off here um you know what was the big headline coming out of today out of illinois yeah of course so we've been lightly touching on the terrence shannon situation um some pretty uh you know damning things came out about um you know one of the all american candidates um being charged um, with some rape allegations and uh, sexual assault. So he was away from the team, suspended indefinitely by the university. Um, but as the case goes on, and they're still you know, trying to figure out all the details and evidence to see what the ruling is going to be, um, he's now allowed to play temporarily. And he played his first game um, against a very underperforming Rutgers team. Um, and, you know, as if... You didn't didn't even miss a beat. Um, he ended up playing nearly thirty minutes off the bench with sixteen points and uh, helped the Illini get um, another win uh, that moves them up to third in the conference and they won by twenty points. And they're only behind a Purdue and a Wisconsin team who have been unbelievable start the season. The Big Twelve has been very very shaky this year, um, and the fact that you know. Illinois start off really strong is, you know, pretty good evidence that they're going to be very good. But I think it's very dependent on um, is Terrence Shannon going to play? Um, I mean, he's been unbelievable this year, but they really need to, you know, make sure that they are handling the situation as best as they can uh, because that's not something to mess around with, um, especially when lives are affected. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And definitely going to be interesting to see. Um which way, you know, we kind of go from here with, with that case, obviously. Um, granted that preliminary injunction, so he does he is able to play for the time being. Um, shout out to Dr. Shane Stead, uh, great sport management professor here at Xavier University for teaching me what that means. Um, but anywho, it's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on as we move forward in the season, and, and we'll see how Brad Underwood's crew um, can respond with him kind of getting back into the groove of playing. Um, and, and again, like Graham said, you know, Typically, a starter obviously came off the bench in today's game. We'll see um, what happens with him moving forward if he continues to start, comes off the bench, and so on. Um, and, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that 
the the rest of that season shakes out for him uh, with this uh, with this temporary playing time that he does have. Uh, moving on from that, uh, Seton Hall obviously has kind of been the big surprise in the Big East so far this season. Um, and I mean, I I will be the first one to say hand up. I did not see this coming from the Pirates. Um, Graham brought this to my attention uh, before the game, and he wanted to have a, a quick conversation about it. Um, Shaheen Hallway, good, meh, or bad when it comes to being a coach. Um, I think that's a perfect scale right there. Uh, personally, I'm going to set settle myself on the meh for right now. I know that seems like I'm kind of taking the middle of the road. I still don't love him as a coach. I still don't think he um, has really proved it uh, just yet, although I will see uh, – Let's do see how this season ends. Um, they had a, a thrilling triple overtime game against Creighton over the weekend uh, that was super entertaining to watch. Obviously, Creighton getting the win out there uh, in New Jersey. But I'm interested to see kind of how Seton Hall responds from a game like that, a very emotional one. It kind of t- brought me back a little bit, Graham, not to bring up bad memories, but brought me back to a, a Xavier Providence game from our first year here at Xavier, a triple overtime game that really kind of drained both sides and made it very difficult. You know, Xavier was making a late season tournament push at that point and made it very difficult to kind of regroup after such a, you know, a, an excruciating effort. So I'm interested to see how really both teams, but especially Seton Hall comes out of this after having such a hot start to the Big East season and beating, you know, some of the Big East best, best. Um, will this consistency continue or not? Graham, I'll turn it over to you, kind of hear, you know, what you have to say about, uh, Shaheen Holloway and his performances so far this season, really his career as a whole uh, with the Pirates. Yeah, and I, I was just you know looking over their season, and I think the reason why um, a lot of people are surprised about how well they've done in the Big East is that from November to early December, they went one and four, and um, spring that one win was a pretty convincing win over. 207th ranked in the country northeastern um with losses in a rivalry game against Rutgers getting blown out by Baylor on the road um and Iowa and USC were two uh teams that have definitely underperformed this season um but then you know getting into conference play you smack UConn and really bad loss to Xavier but then it was um five straight which at the time was the second longest Big East winning streak of the season. And that triple overtime game against Creighton was a lot, um, was the first triple overtime game since that Xavier Providence game um, a few years ago. and In all of the NCAA? In the Big East. Oh, okay. And um, the Creighton game really shows that um, this team can battle with anyone. And on paper, they do not look as talented as some of the other um, Big East teams. Um, I mean, Kadari Richmond will probably be an all-Big East first-team player, but then after that, it's just a bunch of guys that are really playing well in their roles. And the way that they've been playing together is why um, I think that Shaheen Holloway has something going on as a great you know, locker room leader of men coach. Um, because I think that that St. Peter's run is, you know, is right now is his magnum opus as a coach, showing that that team had no business being in that tournament playing at that high of a level all the way up until the elite eight. And I think that, you know, that his ability to get a group, a group to rally together. I mean, there's a point in the season where they are a 500 team and now we're looking at them being 60th in the net with one quad three loss and then 
you know, after that, they're doing really, really well. Um, and it, it's honestly just up to them to um, keep this, you know, keep this train moving because as we've harped and harped on and on and on about like how, you know, packed the Big East is, Seton Hall is going to be one of those teams regardless of what happens in the season, unless they are insanely good, you know, top three good. They're going to be on that, you know, that seed watch of like where are they going to fall. And I think Seton Hall is going to be one of those teams that if they get into the tournament, you know, I'm going to circle them because I think that Shaheen can get a group yeah, of get, guys together. Yeah, getting in as like a, a six, seven seed, I think, could definitely be sneaky. You know, if you get if you get a two or a three seed there early on, definitely, definitely want to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think that he's a great leader of men, and I think he just has to prove, you know, the X's and O's stuff because his games that he has won have all been really, really close, and that, you know, people have knocked, you know, his ability, you know, to make adjustments and to coach, like, in that regard. Um, but when you have you win five straight games in the Big East and one before that, you beat the number one team in America with UConn, you have to give him some sort of credit. It's just a matter of how can he handle the rest of the season and hopefully the postseason thereafter. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Like you said, Seton Hall, a team to definitely circle on your brackets when we when we do get to March. Um, so let's run through, run through some games here real quickly. Tuesday night of last week was like maybe one of those like kind of the first reminder of like, hey, it's March. like Or it's not March, but March is near. Um, and the season's rolling through, and this is why conference play is so awesome. Um we have multiple upsets on the evening. We had Kansas State knocking off Baylor at Bramblage Coliseum in overtime. That was an awesome game. Do you see that Kansas State's now ten and zero under Jerome Tang in overtime games? That is that's unbelievable. So really cool to see that stat. Um, Cincinnati uh, here, just a couple miles away, got a big win over TCU. Also in overtime, eighty one seventy seven against a ranked TCU team. Um, we can talk about the court storming later. Some thought it was ridiculous, you know. Some were were fine with it, um, and we can get into that later. But that was a, a game worth noting. Dayton ekes one out against a 500 St. Louis team, 70 to 65, with a big second half. But man, Dayton, I mean, you're at two losses right now. Keep rolling at this rate. I mean, you might we might be looking at another, you know, three, four, you know, two, three, four range seed for Dayton. Um, even though they haven't had really any huge signature wins, obviously, I mean, if you even though the A10 is kind of in a down couple of years right now if you if you get to the a10 with only two or three losses i mean you're in a really really good spot obviously so it'd be interesting to see what the committee does with dayton as we come down the stretch um and seemingly kind of taking the place of gonzaga right now obviously gonzaga's fallen from the rankings and really nothing notable for them outside of this matchup against kentucky coming up this next weekend which is always an entertaining one so excited to see that um and then uh, BYU with a big win over Iowa State. They rolled them by 15. Um, Penn State with an upset. That uh, was another court storm there. Penn State, another 500 Big East team, or excuse me, Big Ten team, gets the win 873 over a good Wisconsin team. Interesting to see how the Badgers bounce back here. Um, and then New Mexico down in the pit uh, continues to roll 99-86 over Utah State. Um, and, yeah, let's keep that thing rolling on that six-bid Mountain West. Um as we get into Wednesday, um, we had a couple other notable games. 
Um, UConn just absolutely shut down Creighton inside Gamble, 62-48, a huge win, and more than anything, just a huge defensive performance for that UConn team, uh, especially to go up against a team that shoots the ball as much as Creighton does. To hold them under 50 is really, really impressive. Ole Miss takes another big loss, 89-80. Um, let's see where we go from here with Ole Miss. Now that you've got a couple losses, you know, what is uh... – where is this team going to end up? Are we still thinking tournament? Are we not? Um, I have no idea, personally. I think it's going to be really close. Um, I definitely think they're still able to. They've obviously got some talent on that team, but it could also be a team that kind of slips out of the tournament projections as the season goes on. Um, Houston with a statement win, 77-54 over a good Texas Tech team at home last Wednesday. That was another notable victory. Um, Thursday night, we had... Illinois and Michigan kind of take it down to the wire, and then Illinois really pulled away at the end, uh, 88-73 for the 15-point win there. Uh, again, another bad loss in a, for, for you know just to kind of highlight a bad season for Michigan. Um, and then South Florida, I don't know, did you catch this one, Graham? 74-73 over Memphis. They had Memphis had a 20-point lead uh, in the second half, and South Florida came all the way back uh, to get a victory. So definitely wanted to keep an eye on there. I think it's um, it really a, a shocking result, um, and and you know it, it, a bad slip up there from Memphis really because you know here in the American you gotta you gotta keep rolling uh, and, and kind of keep your head on a swivel as you're gonna you know play these sneaky games but still need to take care of business especially at home so um, definitely an interesting one worth noting there Graham any of those really highlight for you um, you know midweek games that you enjoyed watching that you know. You enjoyed the court storm, the atmosphere, any teams that you're that you're watching there last week that you know really high you know you're highlighting right now. Um, yeah, the first team I wanted to touch on was um the the fact that how well Dayton has been performing lately. Um, you know, we touched on very briefly um their their quality uh their two quality wins this week. Um, absolutely destroying um, Rhode Island yesterday. And I think that this uh, Dayton team is very interesting because um, they look very, very dynamic and have talent at all different positions, which is, you know, just a great setup for March. Um, two losses on the season. They've been undefeated um, all the way. They haven't lost, I should say, um, since November of tw- uh, November twenty fourth, which is you know pretty insane with um, some of their good quality tests that they've had. Um, they've lost to a Northwestern team on the road by five points and got blown out by Houston. But you know when you're Dayton and you play Houston, it's kind of expected. Um, this. Uh, a ten conference and, and you know Rothstein harps on this all the time that their conference isn't really set up to do well um, in non conference and once you get into the conference season things get a little hairy and the A ten is definitely not what it used to be it's, uh, even the in the past like I'd go as far as maybe four or five years ago it used to be better um, but they ha- they have some good tests coming up um, you know they'll probably handle the sal really really easily. Um, on Tuesday, but next Friday on national TV, CB sport, uh, CBS sports network at Richmond, the only other undefeated team in their conference right now. And 
Richmond has been a you know a reputable team for the past few years. Um, that's going to be a great matchup for them. Um, some of the better programs in the B, um, in the A10 are will be waiting for them to wrap up the season. Um, but you know, two games to circle very um, quickly within the next ten days. They have at at Richmond, George Washington, and those are two very very good teams on paper this year. G Dub's got like I think two or three losses right now. I was keeping an eye on that one. Yes, they're fourteen and four. Richmond's thirteen and five. Richmond being five and zero in the conference right now. <laughs> I think that uh, this Dayton team is very dynamic. They have a lot of uh, really you know well balanced weapons all over the court. Um, and it leads me to believe that they can be a very solid team. And one more team to touch on really quickly is this Wisconsin team. Um, they took some very weird losses early in the season um, where they just didn't look themselves, getting handled by Tennessee, getting thumped by Providence, um, and getting absolutely obliterated by Arizona. Um, it was kind of hard, right. hard to gauge them. But uh, in conference play, they've looked really good. But they did drop a very weird... Um, game on the road against Penn State and responded very well with Indiana this past week, um, completely destroying them. Um, a name name that we should be talking about is AJ Store. Mm. I'm very glad he isn't in the Big East. He's been unbelievable for Wisconsin. Um, the past few years, Wisconsin, ever since um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Johnny. Uh oh. Uh, guard. Uh. Davis. Yeah, John, ever since Johnny Davis left they, last year, they didn't really have that score. And now you're getting a guy that gives you 16 points per game on 45% shooting. Um, it really, really allows them to have some more freedom. And they already have um, a great, well-balanced team. I think Wisconsin is a team that's not being talked about enough because they look so you know, hit or miss in, in non-conference play. And I think that there's a team that you have to look for going forward especially in a Big Ten where you can string a lot of wins together very quickly. No, absolutely. I think that's maybe part of it, and, and we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, with the Big Ten just kind of having such a meh year. Maybe that's why we're not talking about Wisconsin enough, you know, because everybody's focuses on Purdue. You know, Purdue is going to continue to roll, do their thing, um, and that's really all we kind of have to pay attention to, um, you know, or at least that's how it's being seen right now is that all, all that's worth paying attention to is Purdue and how good they are. Well, you're right. I think this Wisconsin team is sneaky good um, and definitely a team to kind of keep an eye on as, as the season rolls along. Um, and I can't wait for the – I mean, like, obviously Purdue is probably not going to get a great push from really anyone except for maybe Illinois and maybe Wisconsin. Um, but I am excited for those matchups to see, you know, if we can if, – if someone can at least make it interesting for Purdue. I'm sure someone will at some point. But right now it's just so second nature for them. They're just rolling through all of their Big Ten opponents. So – um, all right, well, before we get to the Saturday games, I actually I just saw this, just came through. Um, first of all, maybe, I don't want to say first ever, but uh, first that I've seen, a court storm in a women's basketball game. Ohio State, your Buckeyes, uh, just, just a couple hours north of us, upset Caitlin Clark in Iowa, um, storm the floor. And then afterwards, uh, Clark was kind of made contact, and it looks like was hit by a... Uh, an Ohio State fan coming onto the floor. I'm sure this will cause a huge media ruckus, um, but definitely one to keep an eye on, uh, or definitely something to keep an eye on, uh, you know, as we move forward. Uh, but good on Ohio State. Uh, fun for them to get a, a good victory over. Obviously, Caitlin Clark, best player in the country, best player probably in college basketball right now, uh, or at least most well known. So, um, 
and yeah, I d- definitely just something to keep an eye on there. We'll see what comes out of that. It was kind of a weird video. Like it looked like she was kind of bolting across, and other gals didn't see her, and they connected. I don't think it was really anything purposeful, uh, but definitely a, a weird moment there. And I'm sure all the anti court stormers will be all over that one as to why we should never let college kids have fun anymore. So, um, but anywho, moving on and uh, and and talking about the Saturday games. Um, Graham, actually, wait. Will you you want to tell the listeners what you just brought to my attention? Yeah, uh, this game just ended today. Um, Tulane versus Memphis. Um, as we know, Ron Hunter of Georgia State is oh, is he down there in Tulane? Yeah, is handling this program well. They've looked pretty solid so far. Um, and this Memphis team, you know, coming off a really bad loss against South Florida, where they were up twenty, as we talked about. Um, you know, trying to get their feet back, and went down to the wire. Um, only a two point victory for Tulane. Um, and looks like they just really executed really well. That uh, Tulane had seven turnovers, um, sixteen assists on twenty four made baskets, forty two percent from three, eighty from the free throw line. Looked like they just played a really really good game against a quality team. Um, amazing. Um, at, as to what you know, Tulane was able to do, but it, you know it starts to question what Memphis is going to be able to do for the rest of their season. Um. You know, ever since they took the uh, those losses um, to Ole Miss and Villanova, they've been unstoppable, including three ranked wins in a row um, in early December. And now two straight losses, and then you have to go to at UAB this week. Um, you know, we talked about this with FAU and Memphis about, you know, you're in an inferior conference and you didn't do that well in non-conference play that, you know, these – you can't afford to lose some of these bad losses. And the fact that Memphis has dropped two in a row, while um, this Florida Atlantic team has been able um, to really piece it together, you know, those bad losses that we talked about versus Florida Gulf Coast and Charlotte a couple weeks ago, they've now won four in a row. And they have uh, Rice in North Texas waiting for them. Um, Florida Atlantic is, you know, kind of starting to piece things together. They're 5-1. and one. While Memphis is now four and two with two really bad losses in a row, yeah, a, a bad two game losing skid there for uh, for Memphis, and we'll see uh, we'll see how they respond, obviously. And I think again, we kind of said it earlier this season, but this FAU Memphis race is going to be super entertaining coming down the stretch in the American. So, um, all right, Saturday we already touched on the Creighton Seton Hall game. Um, good on the Blue Jays for getting that win. Texas over Baylor uh, at the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. That was awesome. Um, great finish there. Big deep three um, for uh, for Baylor to tie it there late, um, and then uh, just a contested acrobatic layup uh, buzzer beater, um, and Texas gets away with the victory. So just super entertaining. If you have a chance, go check out the last thirty seconds. That was awesome. Marquette held off a late push from St. John's inside the garden. They had the retro court, the retro jerseys. Everything looked great for St. John's. Good effort. Great crowd, obviously, against a good Marquette team. But good on Marquette for getting the win after being down at halftime. Um, Oklahoma, uh, another heartbreaker for UC right across the way. Um, Oklahoma wins 69-65 on the road at UC. Good win for Oklahoma there. Uh, Tennessee rolls Alabama by 20 um, Iowa State gets a good win at TCU, 73-72. That's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, I think that Iowa State team is way better than they're ranked right now. Um, that Iowa State team is going to be a problem as we come down the stretch here. So definitely keep an eye on them. Uh, and the Cyclones and Hilton Magic, you know, once they get heating, heating up, it's it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, hard to manage that. So um, Arizona, uh, 
got a good push from UCLA. Finally, UCLA showing some life. Mick Cronin, kind of a weird year for him. He, again, we talked about last week, but just not afraid at all to say pretty much anything in post-game press conferences about his players, uh, about other things um, pertaining to the program, things like that. So definitely interesting to see uh, them give a good push to Arizona, but Arizona held them off. Texas Tech beat uh, BYU 85-78. Good win for them. Kentucky held a hun- hung 100 on Georgia, um, 105-96. Good win for Kentucky to continue rolling through their season. Auburn, big win over Ole Miss. Uh, UConn and Nova played a tight one. That was fun. I, you know, For those of you that weren't watching football and were able to tune into it, it was a good one. UConn held off Villanova, though. And, man, this team just looks like they got championship DNA again, which is really concerning. I, I, I cannot get over how good this team is and also just how they are really getting these gutsy, gritty wins, you know, really late late in the game, you know, in, in road environments here in the Big East. I mean, it's so tough to do. So good on them for getting a couple of them. Uh, and then the two headliners, really, from from Saturday night were uh, Kansas taking a huge loss, 91-85, to a, a bad West Virginia team that's now sitting at 7-11. and um, And then uh, Pitt going on the road to Cameron Indoor uh, and getting a win, 80-76 to over Duke. I don't know, I was going to ask, did you see the, uh, the, I didn't even see who it was, but one of the Pitt guards went and stood yeah. up in front of the, th- that was awesome, like in front of the Cameron Gracies, that's so cool. Um, so I'm going to turn over to you, Graham. Which, which game were you, A, more surprised by, and which game do you think, B, was more impactful for that team season over those two headlining kind of upsets from Saturday night? Um, I think that the Kansas game is a little bit, um, you know, of concern um, because you as you know, Kansas fan you know, brought to my attention that it isn't as good as people thought they were going to be. Um, and... You know, they took that really bad loss on the road to UCF and then um, completely destroyed an Oklahoma State team who was not good this year. And then, you know, won in, I think, convincing fashion against this Oklahoma team who has been very solid. That was top 10 team in the country at the time. So you thought that they were finding their footing again and then taking a really bad loss against a West Virginia team. Um, and this West Virginia team is very confusing because they were not good in non-conference play at all. They have three losses in the conference and the two wins are against ranked teams with Kansas and um, Texas, where they also lost to Houston by 40. Um, They just seem like a team that's very up and down. And I think that Kansas caught them at the wrong time. Um, And I don't think it's, you know, of that big of a concern for Kansas, but this is a team that their standard is a lot different than other teams in the Big 12. It's it's one, two, three seeds and above, and you know you're playing for the second weekend. And the fact that they dropped two bad games um, is a little bit of concern. Um, and I think that you know this game next week against the Bearcats is going to be a great. Um, example tomorrow night. Mm-hmm, is going to be a great example um, of what we have to offer because this UC team is struggling to find their footing. Um, you know, they got a great gutsy win against TCU, but they also took three bad losses. Um, you know, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas, but they beat BYU on the road. This is a team where you can't really seem to figure out who they are. And it's a Kansas team that is definitely falling to the... Um, 
quali- quali- level of their yeah, opponent. Yeah, yeah, the level of their opponent. So let's see what they're able to do. If they can destroy um, a UC team, I think it's a good sign for Kansas. And UC, you know, this you know the clock starts starting to tick because their resume was not good going into conference play. You need some of these quality wins. Um, I'm really excited to see what that game holds. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time as a Big 12 team, too, that UC is going to be visiting uh, Allen Fieldhouse. So definitely going to be a, a fun one to keep an eye on on Monday. And then, like you said, kind of going off your point there, Graham, can't, if you're Kansas, you got to settle yourself because next Saturday, you got to go. I just talked about this. You got to go to Ad Hilton. You got to go to Iowa State uh, in a great, you know, Saturday afternoon matchup. So definitely one to keep an eye on. That game is going to be a, an all timer, uh, I'm sure. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you, you need to settle yourself and get a good win here over Cincinnati, and then we'll kind of go from there and figuring out uh, what this team has to offer for the Hawks. To wrap us up here in the Musketeer Minute, um, Xavier gets two big needed wins this week. Um, a huge win over the rivals, uh, uh, Butler right up the road, right up I-74 uh, from Indianapolis. Good win there, 85-71 over Butler. And then a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win over a good Georgetown team. Yeah, maybe not. Um, over an okay Georgetown team on Friday. But again, anyone in the Big East is always going to be a challenge. And the biggest thing for, um, at least from my perspective, was Georgetown could not miss all night. I mean, they could have, they could all had blindfolds on. They still would have shot the same percentage, it seemed. Um, they shot from the field over 40% from three. Over 95% from the free throw line. Just unreal numbers from the Hoyas. Um, so they played about their best possible game that they could have played. And Xavier played a solid game. But what mattered most was that when you needed, while you did give up 91 points to a not good Georgetown team, what mattered most was when you needed to get defensive stops down the stretch, Xavier was able to, to just get back in the game um, and, and kind of get away from that arm's length that Georgetown had kind of held them at um, and get a huge win inside Cintas. Now you've got a, a huge, huge uh, two-game stretch here um, of road games. you got at Creighton on Tuesday, at UConn um, next Sunday, that is. Um, just two really, really tough games. Um, you know, you, you definitely, obviously, ideally, you get one of them. Um, but either way, I think these two games this week were foundational and, and very big confidence builders going into this next week of a, of a very difficult task. Um, so, Graham, what, after getting a huge 2-0 week, um, what did you see out of this team um, now stringing together three straight Big East wins? What did you see out of this team this week that maybe you hadn't seen already this season? Yeah, um, something that um, you know Coach Miller has talked about and even some of the leaders on this team like Quincy and Abu, um, in some of these games that, you know, we were in like the Purdue and Houston game, the Washington game, and some of the bad losses like Oakland and Delaware. One of the running themes of the game was that the team quit or that the team didn't, you know, um, play the whole 40. Play the whole 40 minutes or, you know, whatever it might be, the things of that nature. Um, and that's, you know, that wasn't, a, you know, a good sign, especially in the Big East where every game, you know, has to yeah. be your full 40 minutes. And I think that these last um, three games, including the Providence game and the Butler and Georgetown game, is a testament to this team's um, growth. You know, from when we saw them in November, when we saw them in um, early December taking some bad losses, to where we are now, that this Providence game, we completely 
um, played very, very well. And after one of the media timeouts, you know, Providence went on a 6-0 run and, you know, Dunk was going crazy and, you know, Trey Green and Dez responded really well. And we were able to stack that lead and won by 20 points. This Butler team punched us in the mouth. They were up by eight at one point early in the game. And we held this team to 32 points in the first half after they were scoring at will right. to begin. You ended up went, having a lead of almost 18 points and won by 14. This um, Georgetown game, um, another game where you know Georgetown really, really wanted to win and played very, very well, especially Jay Nepps and um, Heath, Supreme Cook. Um, they played really well and were up at – by 14 points at one point and it felt like you know we just couldn't really really get there but it wasn't until late in the second half where you know the Xavier team really responded well and was able to execute down the stretch by getting stops and taking good shots and you know my as I just said I think my biggest takeaway from the past few games is that this team has fight and this team um, has a stronger will to win that they've had at any other point in the season, uh, minus the UC game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then I think one other thing too that I saw this week that I was kind of as you were talking, you know, about it, I, I kind of realized as well. Uh, we saw some of the depth develop these last couple of games as well. Trey Green starting to feel more confident, getting more shots. Um, you know, you got you got you know the Euros are, are kind of starting to you know find their footing a little bit and find their roles in the game. Um, Abu is starting to just put up absolutely insane stat lines. You know, both both shooting the ball a little bit better and really more than anything, just getting a ton of rebounds left and right. So, um, and seeing Davion kind of you know solidify himself as a little bit more of a scorer, things like that are just things that <clears throat> I think a lot of Xavier fans kind of expected that to be how the season started. And like Coach Miller has said all season, not going to be playing your best basketball in November. Not going to be playing your best basketball in December. And you and frankly, you don't want to be. Um, so, you know, now we're really starting to see the team develop and put together some of their best performances. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think so long as it continues, uh, definitely, you know, definitely able to still keep the hopes up for postseason play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Graham and I, we kind of talked about, it. I think, you know, you got a nine game stretch right here, have to go five and four, um, at the very least. So definitely, uh, going to be interesting to follow that. And, uh, again, big week, big week this week, um, for the Xavier Musketeers and, and really their future uh, in, in this college basketball season. So really excited to lock in on that and uh, and give it a good, you know, get, you know, cheer the team on and, and uh, see what they're see what they're capable of here uh, in, a, in a tough two game stretch at Creighton Tuesday at UConn on Sunday. And with that, um, I think that's kind of everything. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, get Graham out of here. He's, he's headed to uh, Omaha tomorrow. Um, you know, the place that, the place that Peyton Manning made famous, as they always say, um, I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to see what the team's got this week. Um, and yeah, thank you all for listening as always. Um, myself, Evan Shibble and Graham Griffith, of course, January 21st, uh, we're signing off here on, on the Sunday evening and we'll get back at you again next week. Same time, same place, Norwood Noise Podcast on Spotify as always. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Have a good week.